All right, guys, good morning. Um, my name is Eli. Um, I uh, have the privilege of leading uh, today's uh, message. Um, I also have the privilege of leading um, our, our, our teen ministry, so I'm not just a guy they pulled off the street. Um, but that being said, that being said, it is, the only reason I'm going to bring this up, okay, is, is just to make this point. Uh, the re- so football uh, season, regular season, NFL starts next week, okay, and so we're still in the preseason. So what happens the last game of the preseason? Well, all the scrubs play, all the backups play, okay? So right, right now, uh, it's Labor Day, a lot of people are out of town, we've got the fourth string preacher up here, okay, so just going to let Next week, regular season starts. Starters are going to play. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we've been studying the book of Acts. Okay, for our, for our sermon series, and today um, I'm going to preach out of a different text, but the theme is definitely coming from the book of Acts. I'm going to share a scripture with you guys. It's in Acts two seventeen, and it says, "In the last days, God says." I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And so we can see in the book of Acts uh, the, God's dream, God's vision for his, his gospel, the good news of Jesus, kind of breaking into the world. All right? It's breaking into the world through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, and through uh, everything that the apostles are doing. Um, there's, there's tongues of fire, there's 3,000 people getting baptized in a single day, there's miracles. Uh, the, the apostles are being persecuted, they're being beaten, they're being threatened, and yet they still come out of it with joy. They come out of it with joy and they keep on spreading the gospel. And uh, so I really want to talk about visions and, and, and dreams today, and your vision, and your dream. Okay, And, you know... If you, take, if you take the Holy Spirit, a lot of times the book of Acts is, is a lot, it's a referred to, it's, it's, its actual title is the Acts of the Apostles, but it's also kind of known sometimes as the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is just so prevalent throughout. And I was just thinking, like, what if you take the Holy Spirit out of the book of Acts? Like, if you were to just take all these things that have happened, we take out the Holy Spirit, how would we explain what is taking place in the book? And I think we would basically just be left scratching our heads because it's like it's not explainable without the Holy Spirit. Um, in, today's, in today's society, I think, and as a church, I should, I should say this, as a church, I think we can be uh, too uh, realistic sometimes. And what I mean by that, um, you know, these, these crazy things happen in the Bible. I mean, the Bible's just got crazy stuff in it everywhere. Like, like I just, things I just mentioned in Acts, specifically. 3,000 people getting baptized, tongues of fire, uh, and, and just the apostles being able to endure such persecution and keep spreading the gospel. And it's, and like some of the, and it was a different time, it was a different culture, and the apostles were superhumans, and blah, blah, blah. Like, maybe some of those points have some validity to them, for sure, but, you know, it's still the same spirit, and it's still the same God. Uh, that, that lives in us today. And, and so I just want to, I guess the point of today's message is just to 
maybe raise expectations, awaken the dreams a little bit of the Spirit. Um, guys, there's a very important command that Scripture gives, and, and this is in 1 Thessalonians 5. And this is basically where Paul is just telling people how to be a Christian. He says, you guys are probably a lot of you familiar with this, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. And then the next thing he says is, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think, you know, those are, those are like the pillars of being a Christian, to give thanks, rejoice, and pray. By the way, do not quench the Holy Spirit. And I think it's really, it's one of those commands that we can overlook, but it's really on that same, it's on that same level. It's a foundational commandment for our faith. Um, and so the Bible character that I'd like to focus on today that just exhibits, uh, he's a visionary. He's, he follows the Spirit's leading. Uh, and he's quite possibly, well, he's, my, he's definitely my second favorite Bible character. Because Jesus is number one, and you might think that's cheesy, but don't mess with Jesus, okay? <laughs> and that's the prophet Elijah, okay? And, uh, yeah, well, you know. I just so happen to be named after the prophet Elijah, okay? My, my full name is Elijah. Um, so maybe that plays a role. But, hey, so uh, we're going to jump into a place in the middle of his journey. So go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Kings uh, 18. We're going to be in verse 30. All right? So Elijah is, is in a time when... So Israel's not doing well. Israel's God's people. They're not doing well. King Ahab is, uh, he's not a good king. He's immoral. Um, people are just worshiping false gods everywhere, namely Baal be the main one. Um, the altars of God are just, they're broken down. They're shattered. Uh, it's a bad time. And so Elijah, he has this, well, apparently great idea. He's like, well, why don't I just go to the prophets of Baal and say, hey, let's both build an altar. Okay, you build an altar, I'll build an altar. We'll put a sacrifice on it, and then we'll pray to our gods, and whosoever God burns up the sacrifice, that is the true God. Simple, easy, right? Um, and so we're going to jump into the passage here. At this point, though, basically the prophets of Baal, they've, they've set up their altar, their sacrifice, they're, they're praying they're screeching, they're cutting themselves, they're torturing themselves, they're, they're bleeding, they're, they're just this, this whole like wild, like almost just spiritual experience you could say, but it's not really spiritual because nothing's actually happening. And, and they do this for hours. And Elijah's just like, right, like you guys look foolish. Like, just tell me and it's my turn. Um, and so that's, and that's where we jump in. Okay, so we're going to jump into it. It's Elijah's turn in verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. And Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He dug a trench around it large enough to hold two siyas of seed, which is a lot. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and he laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it 
on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. The water ran down the altar and even filled the trench. Okay, so right now, uh, what Elijah is doing is very, very, very counterintuitive. The thing that's supposed to go up in flames, he is pouring water all over it. Okay, so much so that it's just completely drenched, all right? And even the trench around it is full. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah, he stepped forward and he prayed. Listen to the words of his prayer. He says, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God. And you are turning their hearts back again. That's one thing that's really, I think, that we need to take note of in this prayer is that Elijah says to turn their hearts back again. We might think of the prophets of Baal as someone who's never had their heart turned towards God. And we might think of other people, like people that we see in our everyday lives, like, oh, that person, they would never, they've never turned to God, they would never know him, they're just... They're evil, they're too about their own, th- whatever, whatever the reason is why we would think that. But the truth is, is that God sets eternity in the hearts of men. It says that in Ecclesiastes. And so that can hinder our faith when it comes to sharing the gospel, is believing that people, they, it, it, if we realize that we're asking God to turn their hearts back again, it's a little different than, God, can you make this person who is just obstinate turn towards you, Right? It's, it's, it's where our heart naturally goes. It's, it's towards the Lord. Then the fire of the Lord and it burned up the sacrifice. The wood, the stones, the soil, and it licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and they cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Pretty cool. It's an incredible story. There's a couple things I've noticed about this story that I think we should take note of. You know, God never tells Elijah. He never gives him divine uh, direction or specific instruction to do this. Like a lot of times in the Bible, God, he tells Abraham, go to the land of Canaan. Moses, free the people from Egypt. And, and they have to step out in faith because he just gives them the end. He doesn't tell them everything in between. And there's a lot in between. And, but Elijah, he, he's not even told the end goal. He just goes and does this. And I think where this came from is, is it, go, it goes all the way back to Elijah's call to be a prophet. The call was to be a prophet. And, and now that he has that call, he has to step out in faith to fulfill that call. Elijah allowed his life to be such a powerful vehicle of the Holy Spirit that when this miracle happened, the, the, the prophets of Baal, they didn't say, oh, Elijah, he's a king. He's, he's the Savior. He's God. No, they said the Lord. He is God. The Lord, he is God. And that, that's exactly, if you look at Elijah's prayer, that's exactly what he prays. Many people will know that you are Lord, that you are God. And I want to ask, guys, once again, how would we describe this episode of Elijah's life without divine intervention, without the Holy Spirit? Fire coming down from heaven, 
Okay, head scratcher. I don't know. And and I want to ask us, the church, you guys, how can your life be explained without the Holy Spirit or without divine intervention? You see, because I'm asking that because I know plenty people who go to church regularly, live like semi-moral lives, and they, have, and they maintain a decent attitude throughout the hardships in their life. And they don't have the Holy Spirit. And they don't need the Holy Spirit to do that. And so, our expectation for our faith, I hope, I hope our expectation for our faith isn't that to have a decent attitude through life's hardships, to go to church, and be moral. Because that, you can explain that away. There's plenty of reasons you can do that. You know, God doesn't typically lay out a step-by-step, like, five-year plan for us. He gives us a calling, or a dream, or a vision. And he asks that we carry it out in faith. And so if you're waiting for that from God, that, that plan, that step-by-step it's pro- like God can work in any way whatsoever, so I'm not going to rule it out, but probably not going to happen that way. It, it requires faith. Uh, when we grow, so I think Elijah was able to do this uh, just like so many other visionaries, so many powerful uh, characters in the Bible because of their intimacy with God. Um, when we grow intimate with someone, we start to become more like them, right? You have a really good friend, and you start to say the same things, that, like the same like, catchphrases that they say. Um, you just start to become more like them. I've noticed this, with, noticed this with my wife dramatically. I say and do things I would never have done if it wasn't for her. Um, my wife is uh, ex- extremely good at positive self-talk, okay? And um, I used to think that this was like... That, the, that that's that that's arrogant. Like you don't you don't say you don't go around telling people that you're amazing. Like you're not supposed to do that. That's arrogant. And uh, but my wife she she well she doesn't do that. But sometimes I'm just in the kitchen doing the dishes and she'll just walk in. I am so amazing <laughs> because because she just did she just had an idea or she just did something and. You know, that used to grind my gears, but, uh, <laughs> my, but the, so, like, that, obviously that can be an arrogant thing, but believe me, my wife, this, she's not being arrogant. She's, she's an extraordinarily humble person, and I've just seen how, like, she, well, she's helped shape me. She's helped change the way that I think, like, okay, I can have positive thoughts. I don't have to always just be myself down, you know? Um... So uh, I'll share about another friend. Uh, my best friend outside of my wife, uh, his name is Rob Buchanan, and uh, he, he lives in Lansing, Michigan. We, uh, I moved to Eau Claire about five years ago, um, but I was in the campus ministry in Lansing, Michigan, and Rob was my best friend at that time. We did everything together. We, we had our quiet times together in the morning. We, we prayed together. We shared our faith together. Um, we studied together, we ate our meals together, we worked out together, like, we just did everything together. And then as, as our friendship grew, we started to have the same 
dreams. We talked about having, starting a business together. Um, he's like going into physical therapy, and I do like strength training. So like, dude, we could both sides, strength training, physical therapy, just put it all in one, be awesome. Um, we, we thought, we had the dream of, man, we should live in the same city. We should live in a duplex. My family on this side, your family on this side, and we'll spread the gospel, and we'll just get to be right next to each other. It's going to be awesome. Okay? Um, and so that can happen you know, when we grow intimate with God. Like, his dreams start to become our dreams. But the flip side of that can also happen. And so, um, you know, that's a great story, but it's, it's kind of sad to say that me and Rob no longer share those same we still share some dreams in common, but um, he, he's gotten married, I've gotten married, we've been living in different states for five years. Like, the, the, it's a natural consequence of that kind of distance. And the same thing can happen with us in the Holy Spirit. We, we can ignore it long enough, or we can just create enough distance. You know, we can... Those dreams can die or disappear, and, or they can even, it's almost a deception because they become elusive, because, so I still have, like, that's still a dream for me, me and my friend Rob to live in the same city. That's still a dream. I, I call him up sometimes, like, yo, Rob, I'm in Eau Claire. Where are you at? Get up here. Like, there's plenty of duplexes. Let's go. And he's like, yo, I'm in Lansing. What are you doing? Get down here. There's, there's plenty of housing. We can do this. But we don't, Right? And because even though we want it, it's just not the dream anymore, right? And so it's like an elusive dream. It's like we want it, but we don't really, really want it. And we can just kind of get caught and like, oh, yeah, I have this dream for God. I have this vision for what I want to be as a Christian. I want it, but it just somehow always eludes. Um, I'm going to grab a drink real quick. I'm all super dry. And so I want to share something with you guys. Recently, the Holy Spirit has awakened a dream in me. And I use those words, awakened a dream in me, specifically for a couple reasons. Number one, because the dream isn't mine. It's God's. If it weren't for God, I would never would have had this dream. Secondly, because it's been lurking in the shadows of my mind ever since I became a Christian. It's been back there. But I've always, I've always had a lot of fears and a lot of doubts around this dream. And so I really haven't even talked about it much. And I'm finally coming to a point where, well, I'm going to share it with you and it feels a little crazy. Um, the dream is to lead a church plant to be a missionary. And, but like I said, it's fear and doubt have paralyzed that dream uh, in a lot of ways. And, you know, when I look, when I look at my mirror, I've had thoughts, when, I, when, I, when I've thought about this dream, I've had thoughts that there's, there's no way God could use me to do that. What if, what if I'm wrong? Like, what if I'm wrong and I just fall flat on my face and humiliate myself in front of everyone? What, who, who can be influenced 
to follow God by me? What if God doesn't come through? What, what if this isn't his will? I hate how selfish and lazy I can be. I, I hate myself. I, I hate how undisciplined I am. You have to be a special or an amazing person to do that. Um, like, you just grow up, I guess, being in the campus ministry and seeing all these ministers like, uh, you know, Michael Burns and Chris Zillman and just all these guys who just, you just see them and you hear them preach and it's like, gosh, I could never be like that. But then... I heard, one, one day, I heard Joel P. tell a joke, and I realized anybody can be a minister. <laughs> All right, that's, no, that's not true. Not everyone can be a minister. Okay? It's a calling. It's a calling. But I'm learning that, guys, these thoughts, they're the voice of Satan himself. And the Holy Spirit's been trying to tell me something different for years, and I've been scared to truly listen. And, and I hope you guys can see the difference. Like, this isn't about me. Like, there's, there's a spirit, or there's Satan over here throwing accusations. And then there's a spirit over here leading, trying to lead me in a different direction. And I just have to choose. Am I going to listen to this voice, or am I going to listen to this voice? You know, there's a lot of fears. Um, I've had the, that, that we can have when it comes to following God's like, true calling for our life. You know, what if, what if we pray in faith and God doesn't answer the way we anticipate it? I mean, that, like, that's happened. Like, because God works in mysterious ways. It just doesn't always work the way we expect it. And I, and I believe that this is, this is an issue um, in... In, in our hearts as disciples that can crop, that can come up. That out of fear of God not fulfilling his promises, we start to ask for less in prayer. We start to expect less from ourselves and from each other. It's like, you know, we become satisfied with less even. We, we tell ourselves, no, I'm satisfied with with where I'm at spiritually, or whatever it is. Guys, I can't imagine how much it must grieve the heart of God that his children are holding back out of the fear that he won't fulfill his promises. He's given us this whole book, and one of just the resounding messages is, I will come true at my promises. I will come through. It could be the flip side. I've been on both sides of this, too. The flip side is, what if God actually does come through? Like, what if he wants me to go to Africa and serve an orphanage? What if he wants me to stay right here in my crummy job and just live here my whole life? What if he wants me to stay single and never be married my whole life? What if he wants me to go to Eastern Europe, a place I've never been, I don't speak their language? Like, what if he, what if he doesn't ignore me and, does, and, does, and gives me the Holy Spirit's call for my life? That fear 
can outweigh the fear that God will ignore us sometimes. And, I mean, I, I can just, all I can say about that is this, that I can guarantee that the Spirit is going to lead you somewhere you wouldn't have gone without the Spirit, okay? Um, it's going to lead us the same way that it led Jesus, and that's the way of the cross. It's the road to self-denial. And so you have to honestly ask yourself, do you want the Holy Spirit's will? Because if you don't, why would you want the presence of the Holy Spirit? It's, you're going to just be a conflicted soul to want the presence of the Holy Spirit but not actually want his will for you. The truth um, that, I'm, that I'm seeing now, uh, in John, John 16, 7, it says, Jesus tells the, the disciples this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And Jesus is saying, it is to your advantage that I go and the Holy Spirit comes. If I were to ask you, who would you rather have? Would you rather have the physical Jesus himself just sitting right there? Or would you rather have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you? I think, I mean, I, I know that I've, that's a tough question. I'm like still like, geez, I, I don't know. I know what I should say, but I know what I feel. But I think I know what Jesus, if you answer, I'd rather have Jesus. I think I know what Jesus would say to you. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have the concerns of God in mind, but the concerns of man. Because that, this is it, is, it is fleshly, it is arrogant to think that, no, actually, God, your scriptures are wrong. Jesus would be better. No, that, that's wrong. That's foolish. That's arrogant. That's, that's the concerns of man. That's, obviously, that's not God's plan, and that's not what he's carried out. Can I ask you guys a few questions? What are God's dreams for your relationship with him? What are your dreams? What are your dreams for your relationship with him? And to compare the two, what does God want for my relationship with him and what, what do I want? What are God's dreams for his kingdom on earth? And what are your dreams for his kingdom on earth? Compare the two. Maybe you don't even have a dream. We'll address that in just a minute here. So uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles to James chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 17. It says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. You know, like, like I said earlier, Elijah is just, he's, he's a hero of mine. His faith 
his walk, his life is incredible. And he led a powerful life. And it's really hard, and this is where I struggle to believe, is that he's just like us. It's like, what, what the Bible is trying to say is that he has no spiritual advantage. Okay? And actually, as a matter of fact, it can be argued that we have a spiritual advantage on Elijah because we have the full knowledge of Christ and we have the whole indwelling Holy Spirit, two things that Elijah did not have. And so, guys, do you know what that means? It means you can pursue your dreams for God. That's what that means. Guys, practically, um, the way to take hold of these things, the way to take hold of these promises, these, these promises, these scriptures that are like, are you kidding me? is to wrestle with God. So, uh, for, we got, I got three practicals for you guys. The first one is to wrestle in the Word. Okay, To take a scripture like this and to open it up and to, to read it, pray about it, ruminate on it, meditate on it, uh, talk about it, compare it to other scriptures, to, to take the time to do that. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, uh, the word of God is useful for teaching, uh, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's been a sword to me. The man of God, the Bible equips us for every good work. Amen. So a flaming arrow comes out from Satan, it's like, every good work. No way. He ain't stopping it. We have to wrestle in the Word. You know, guys, I get, the, I get the feeling that, like, okay, this idea of, of just spending, like, okay, what do you think of when you think of, like, okay, I'm going to take 12 hours, 12 hours. I'm going to go someplace all by myself, and I'm going to have just me, no phone, no internet. Uh-oh. 12 hours, me and the Bible. What, what would happen? Like, well, hopefully you'd read it. <laughs> but, like, does that scare you a little bit? Like, would, would the world pass you by? Would, would things that you need to get done not get done? What would happen? What are you, what are you so afraid of? Oh, maybe it, maybe it is an issue of fear. We avoid solitude. Guys, if you sit somewhere for multiple hours, you will, and you, and you get out of the tracks, you will be shocked by the things that come into your mind. Right. Like, whoa. Okay? But those, but those things that come up at that time is what's going on. That's what's going on. And a lot of times those things need to be dealt with or addressed or encouraged or discouraged. Like, that's, that's when what's going on deep inside of our hearts comes out. So we need to wrestle in the Word. We need to take these scriptures, and we need to, we need to go. We need to get away. And that, that goes right into wrestling and prayer. Amen. To pray. 
to wrestle with, I mean, they just go hand in hand. So I find myself wrestling with the scriptures in prayer. Um, then we have to wrestle with our fears and thoughts. Guys, so like, like I said, those things that come up, a lot of times there are fears and our doubts. And we need, to, we, need to, we need to confront those things with the Word of God. And, and, and this might sound like a lot. Like, man, like 12 hours, uh, that's, dude, I got, I'm busy. That's a lot. And yeah, all right, all right, cool. In the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot, okay? And, and, and I got several just, just illustrations. Uh, and even just from, like, I'm not even talking about, you, you see things in the Bible, like, dude, Elijah... You know how much time it took for Elijah to pray for a three-and-a-half-year drought to end? I mean, it doesn't say, but it says he prayed seven times. So let's say it took him a couple hours. So a couple hours, he ended a three-and-a-half-year drought in prayer. Is that worth a couple? Okay. Wrestle with your fears and doubts. I took this whole summer, I, I had the goal of getting away so much more than I did. But I, I got away two days. Not even an overnight, just leave in the morning, come back in the evening. And I went to uh, Trumpelo, Wisconsin, and I went to Black River Falls. And uh, Trumpelo is right on the Mississippi River. It's, 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 a, it's a neat little town. And, and there's a state park there, and there's like these bluffs that just go up, and they just go on either side of the Mississippi. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. And, you know, I, I spent all day there. Um, just at a coffee shop in the Word, praying up on the up on the bluffs. This is amazing. Um, and honestly, that, that so that one day, because that's honestly that day I can I can point back how I'm able to say the things that I'm saying today that I have this dream and I'm going to go after it is because of that one day. Like it goes back to that one day where I decided to wrestle with God. So is it one day worth changing the course of your entire life? I think so. <laughs> guys, so many times, I remember, I remember a time, guys, when my parents, my parents, I did not grow up, I grew up in an American Christian household, meaning I went to church now and then, kind of did the Jesus thing, not really. And I became a disciple, uh, and a couple years later, so did my parents, and I remember... I just saw, I remember one night, they said they were studying the Bible and things were going pretty good. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to fast. And I'm going to pray all night. And they did. And I watched this stuff standing on the steps of the Capitol building in Lansing, Michigan. I watched the sun come up. And I just had this like, it's like, yeah, it's done. Like, it's money in the bank now. And two weeks later, they, were, they became disciples. Like, I'm not saying that's how, it's not like a linear relationship, right? Like, you pray for something like that, and it always happens, but one night. One day without food, oh my goodness. <laughs> Skip a meal to have time to read the Bible? Oh, that's radical. That's, that's, that's not, you can't do that. Um, another time I had this, this game, this game that I was was keeping me, so in the campus ministry, we'd, we'd 
we intentionally, the brothers intentionally take the sisters on dates so that, for a couple reasons, okay, a couple reasons. Number one, just teach a brother how to give, okay, like how to not be so consumed with yourself, okay. Number two, we got to keep those, we got to keep non, non-Christian dudes who are just like impure motives all over the place for, for our sisters in Christ, we got to Man, if, they, if we don't give them any attention, they might go somewhere else, okay? So that, and you know, we, we had the tournaments for this game were on Friday night, and that was, that was a night where you take a sister on an encouragement date. And I was like, and I love playing this game. I was like, but you know what? I got to do this. It's not right. So I said, I'm not going to eat, and I'm going to pray until I'm just done with this game. Took about four hours. <laughs> I was like, I'm hungry. I'm going to get some food. And I was done. So all it took. A few hours of prayer. Get something out of my life I didn't need. So guys, the time that it takes to wrestle with God is so incredibly worth it. You know, maybe you don't have a dream. Okay, if you don't have a dream for God in your relationship with him and his kingdom, you're not in a good place. You're not in a good place spiritually. That means you're dreaming about other things. You know, I, I really want a Jeep Wrangler someday. Just, just honestly, I want a Jeep. But I'm not, I, I mean, I, I'm not living for that. You know, if I never get a Jeep Wrangler, I'm going to be okay. I just want one. Why did I say that? <laughs> um, maybe you don't know if you have the Holy Spirit or you know you don't have the Holy Spirit. In that case, you need to wrestle with, what am I doing with my life? I'm sitting on this globe, on this sphere that's spinning a thousand miles per hour in the middle of a solar system, in the middle of the universe, in the middle of an infinite number of galaxies. Maybe I should like... Think, what is the purpose of my life? What am I doing here? And maybe you should pick up the Bible and just see, like, man, what does this have to say about that? Maybe that's what you need to do. So, guys, I want to uh, just end with just a couple questions. What is the Spirit, what has the Spirit been prompting you to do, to give up? What is it prompting in you right now? Like, what's that thing that right now that's like, oh, that, that's the thing the Holy Spirit is, 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 is inkling me about. What fear or fears you need to confront before God in prayer and in the Word? Guys, I urge you to do it immediately, to do it hastily, to obey and follow the Spirit's leading. Do not quench the Holy Spirit.